having a mission behind it and knowing that this is what I'm doing and that it matters and that it's making a difference, like it really helps me to keep going every day. Hi, I'm Eden. I'm Sam. And this is Ruby the Podcast. We are a community of young women seeking answers to the hard questions and discovering what it means to cultivate our purpose. So join us as we interview world-changing entrepreneurs, creatives, and industry experts. All here to share the wisdom we need for living the Ruby lifestyle. One of authenticity, wonder, and intention. So take a breath, settle in, and get ready to discover who you were made to be. We are so grateful you're here. Class of 2022, it's our year. Crazy. I'm entering into my senior year. Sam's gonna be a junior, which is a little bit insane. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're trying to get all of our senior things put together. So senior pictures, um, you know, all the forms, all the senior perks at school, like the parking, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm excited. But I'm trying to put together my outfits right now. And by the time this is released, they would have been taken. But um for senior pictures yeah for senior pictures sorry that was random I was going in a million places but I want to do like Audrey Hepburn inspired Mm. like vintagey you know Mm -hmm. and so we're trying to find maybe like an old church to go in front of you 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 know the aesthetic you know but it's exciting and also weird at the same time that I'm even taking them because I still feel like a child (laughs) so well, not not a child, but you know. No, yeah, it's crazy. I there's this girl. I like. I don't even know. I was like scrolling through like reels on Instagram, not like TikTok. <laughs> the lamer version. Lame. Lame. And there was this girl, um, and her name is like Summer Grace. I don't know. And sorry, my sister just came into my room. Anyway. I saw her, she was, like, this photography account, she takes the coolest pictures ever, like, she does, like, wedding, but, like, they're so cool, like, so different and unique, and I was, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm gonna reach out to her, like, just for fun, so I, like, emailed her, but she, like, hasn't responded, but she lives in, like, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Sam goes to Washington. So I was, like, I was, like, do you have anybody close to, close to me that does them like you? Because I really, really, like, I, I thought pictures, like, cool ones where it's like I don't even know how to describe them you know like ones for like brands and stuff like really yeah. cool like some blurry some like like cool angles stuff like that like I only think that's for like famous people or for like brands because like you can't like it's hard to find people like that but like yeah this girl was like that so yeah. I was you know anyway yeah. I just want them to be different than what everyone else has mm-hmm. like <laughs> I feel like that's just like my personality but yeah I just like it to be you know yeah, you need. It's fun to to see your expression come out in your pictures. And yeah, I feel like you can you can see different people's like who they are, but the outfits they choose and like the. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you, Ed. That'll be so fun. Yeah, I I think photographers are actually like quite gifted in if they can pose people well, mm. like that is that's a skill because at least when I'm like when Sam and I are taking pictures, <laughs> like in our own little photo shoots, we do like we get kind of awkward. I mean, <laughs> not you don't really not know when, like. We don't know what how to, to pose, do. is basically. So we always are looking on Pinterest, saving stuff on Instagram, you know. You know that but, sound that's like, pose, pose. Like, what's that, like, it's sound? It's like, photo shoot, pose, pose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we, like, there's, like, all those, like, reels about that. Yeah, we have, TikTok. like, 15 saved <laughs> of, like, all these 
Oh, anyway. But just, like, being able to tell someone how to do that. It's like, like how do you... art, but it in is. a different way. It is. That's they really picture cool. it before it's even taken, so... Yeah. They picture anyway, it. Ha <laughs> That's. We could talk about this for hours, so... Yeah, we could. Moving on to the real point of the podcast today, um, we get to meet with Elisabetta, and she is just amazing. She started her own nonprofit um, called Curanza, and it, it helps girls in Mozambique to get an education and she's just really cool and has a whole campaign I stand for girls and it's just really cool to hear her story and how she just was inspired to jump into all of it and to start it so we'll see you on the other side well welcome Elisabetta we're super excited to have you on here and to talk about Coranza and We'd love it if you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Elisabetta. I'm the founder and executive director of Curanza. It's a nonprofit and our mission is to help empower girls and women in Mozambique to become leaders in their communities. And we do this through education. So yeah, right now I'm just prepping for the I Stand for Girls campaign, which is our annual campaign that we launch every September. So my life has really been busy doing that. Um, but yeah, that's where I am right now. Love wow. that. What got you into all of this? What made you want to start a nonprofit and kind of take your life in this direction? Yeah, so I've always wanted to help make a difference in the world, you know, um, and after college, I moved to New York and I volunteered with AmeriCorps, helping low-income New Yorkers uh, receive nutrition advice and um, public benefits and things like that. And I just really loved the work. So that's when I applied for the Peace Corps. So I got sent to Mozambique and I volunteered in a rural hospital at the Centro de Saúde de Gija in the rural village of Gija. And I was counseling HIV positive women how to prevent the transmission of HIV to their babies. And I just saw that there was so much work to be done. You know, these women didn't have an income to pay for transportation. Their kids weren't in school. There were just so many things that we could help with. And so I joined forces with um, my friend who is local from that community. And we came up with some ideas to help create income generation activities. And I think just seeing like working with the Peace Corps and then also with the UN and other non-governmental organizations and governmental organizations, I saw that I really wanted to do things differently and work with the community and make sure that the interventions that we're providing are really making a tangible difference and something that the community needs. So I think that's what inspired me to start Curanza is because I really wanted to have a grassroots approach and be different than the other organizations and work mm. with the community alongside them. Mm -hmm. I love that it's kind of come from a root of helping others and loving others all the way through and then evolved into going into Mozambique with um, some of your peers. I think that's amazing. I'd love to hear your definition of Curanza and just tell us what that means and why that's become the name of your movement. Yeah, so Kuranza means to love in Shangana, the local language of the women and the girls that we work with in Mozambique. Um, and we just thought it was super important to use a Shangana word, you know, a word that's local to the community that we serve that really represents them. And 
we also love is like our biggest value. And so we always try to love up on everyone and just pour love out into everything that we do, the work we do, the people we serve. And um, yeah, so because it's our biggest value, we just definitely wanted that to be like the heart of our organization. So that's why we chose to Quaranza. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, it sounds like one, it's just an incredible story. And what we don't hear about is like, this the bravery that you had to have to go there actually and do you like know the languages and how does that all work how have you even the technical things had to adjust to a new life and to um almost just stay strong in every season yeah I mean it's it was very interesting in the beginning like in the beginning I mean I was in a small village no running water no electricity for most of my time there and so just having to learn how to like you know, pump water at the water pump, you know, or how to like clean your clothes, like wash your clothes by hand, or I mean, how to like prepare your own food and things like that are just so different, like using a um, coal, like little stove and like boiling your water and things like that. So um, those are some of the skills that they sound so like simple, but they're like, you know, I had to learn them to be able to live there. And so I learned that in the beginning when I was with a host family during my three months of Peace Corps training. So they helped me a lot. And then, um, so I learned Portuguese and which is the national language of Mozambique. And I also learned Shangana, which is the local language in Mm. the village where I was, there's like 26 local languages in Mozambique. So yeah, so I love languages and they're really fun for me. So I loved that I was able to learn too. Like I was super excited. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it definitely was challenging everything that we had to learn. Mm-hmm. But it really gets a good like well-roundedness in yourself. I feel like to learn all the different cultures and to understand mm-hmm. other people like that. I think that is a really cool gift um, to experience. I, yeah, yeah, but, definitely. I was grateful for that too, because you learn things about a different culture that you want to incorporate when you come home, you know, like, Mm. I feel like they're so generous and like giving and hospitable, you know, it's like, every time someone comes, you like serve them food right away, you give them like the best place to stay if they come, you know, they stay in your bed when they come over to Mm. spend the night and like on the couch or like on a mat on the floor you know it's just very generous culture and I've been trying to you know incorporate that now that I'm back because I just I love it it's so beautiful right yeah it's all about putting other people first Mm -hmm. that's really cool so your hashtag I stand for girls and that you were talking about that as your movement um, coming in September and it's like an annual thing is that right yes every September it's a month-long campaign Cool. And what's, so what does that focus on? Like, what do you, um, what do you guys do for that? Yeah. So for the I Stand for Girls campaign, our mission is to raise awareness about why girls' education matters, why it's important. And then at the same time, we're also fundraising to send over 200 girls back to school for the next school year. This year, we're going to be fundraising for 250 girls. Um, Yeah, and so it's a really fun time where the community comes together, you know, women all over the world, and they take a photo of themselves with the I stand for girls hashtag sign and they post it on Instagram on social media, and they share a personal story about why education matters to them personally, and it just really helps show like why this is such an important cause and what we can do about it. Mm. 
what is the culture there like for girls? So why do you um, make this movement for girls and how has it impacted them? Yeah, so in our village where we work, I would say that girls have a little bit less opportunities than the boys do. Like for instance, if a family is gonna choose between sending you know, their son to school or their daughter, they'd send their son to school. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely wanna support boys too, but we're just seeing that there's like a little bit of an imbalance. And so we wanna help level the playing field and help the girls to be able to have this opportunity to go to school too. Hmm. For sure. Thinking about women in particular, I heard you mention earlier that you used to work with women who tested positive for HIV. Mm -hmm. Is being like on your period an issue for a lot of these girls? Is it a roadblock for education, like not having access to um, feminine products, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I would say like I've heard about it a little bit more as being an issue in some other countries, but I mean, it still is an issue in Mozambique. And um, it's interesting because some of our new team members that just came on board last month in Mozambique, they came up with this idea to teach the girls how to make reusable um, pads. Yeah. Oh, and wow. so this was like a project that they just came to me with. And I think it's a really good idea. So we're going to start exploring adding that to one of our initiatives as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And does the education curriculum, does it kind of focus on edu educating them on their bodies as well? I feel like that's something that's really important that I feel like if you don't have access to education, like that might be kind of tough. Yeah, so in school, I don't think they teach too much about that, um, but we add supplemental lessons to the girls so that they can come to our office and get other lessons. So we teach about health education, we teach about life skills in general, and like self-confidence, self-esteem, things like that. So definitely the health education is so important because even like basic nutrition or like COVID prevention, mm -hmm things like that, that may not be being taught at school. Like we make sure that the girls are able to learn that as well. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. So with a nonprofit, um, you're not making the money for yourself. So how have you almost known that this was the correct path for you by um, having a strong community to kind of embody you or take you in? Or how have you seen yourself almost not let me rephrase this with what I'm trying to say so not without having not having all the money coming back to you how have you still been able to stay committed in this and to still kind of give energy to um, the people there mm -hmm. that's a really good question um I think just knowing that what I'm doing is something bigger than myself, you know, it's something that I'm a part of and I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact. I think that's what really fuels me every day. Just like knowing that my purpose is grounded in this specific mission and knowing that like, I mean, honestly, I feel like it motivates me more than if it were be, than if it were to be motivated by money. You know, I feel like having a mission behind it and knowing that this is what I'm doing and that it matters and that it's making a difference. Like it really helps me to keep going every day. So I think just like whenever things get challenging, just remembering like, why did I start it? Why am I doing this? And it's really like an honor to be able to be a part of this, you know, and making this impact in the world. Right. I think with working in mission too, you're seeing a lot of really tough things that you wish you could pour all this money, all this time yeah into what have been some of the biggest like 
challenge points for you that you've had to really remind yourself why you're doing it? Yeah. Okay. Such a good question too. I feel like in the work that I do, it's like never ending, right? There's always like more girls that we can sponsor, more girls that need our help, more programs we can start, you know? And so I think sometimes it can be really easy to get into the mentality of, oh, I'm not doing enough. Like I need to be doing more. And it's something that I still struggle with. And it's Mm -hmm. something that I'm still working on every single day, because if not, like I could get burnt out like really easily, you know, because I could just keep trying to fundraise more and more and like work all hours of the night, weekends, everything. And I think, I mean, getting burnt out a little bit, like has kind of taught me the hard way that I really need to like take time for myself too and know that like okay I'm just gonna do the best I can do like within my limits and then you know shut down the computer go on a walk go on a hike be in nature Mm -hmm. spend time with family and friends like still take some time for self-care because then I can be like the best leader that I can be if I take time for myself so it's like a balance for sure because I do want to make the best and the biggest impact I can but I also don't want to get burnt out so for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we're all learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Kiranza, people can sponsor a woman, right? In her education. Mm-hmm. They can sponsor. So how does that work? What are they, what is their money going into and how, what are they investing in? Yeah. So there's two different levels. So you can sponsor a girl for $25 a month. And that includes all of the school fees, the transportation to and from school, a backpack full of school supplies and a uniform. So that helps the girls get to school, right? So that's Mm -hmm. 25 a month. And then there's $50 a month, which includes everything that I just mentioned, but then also access to our holistic programming, which includes Mm -hmm. our new mentorship program that we're launching this month. And then a literacy initiative that we just started to get the girls up to speed post pandemic. And then it also includes things like COVID relief. They all got that last year and social support. If the girls are going through anything like, um, you know, nutrition issues or if they need counseling or anything that would cover that as well. So those are the two different sponsorship opportunities we have. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And when you choose to sponsor a girl, do you get to kind of see like who she is and support her in that as well? So the way that we do it is we have all of our sponsors sponsor the group of girls collectively. Um, So we share stories of a lot of the girls, the ones, because some of the girls like to share their stories. They like to get their photo taken. They like to like be in photo shoots and take (laughs) videos. And then some of the girls are a little bit more private and they, they do want to get an education, but they kind of want their story to be a little more private. So we want to respect that. So that's why we set it up in this model where it's not a one-to-one, but it's like a collective sponsorship. For sure. Mm. I love that. That's really cool. So you mentioned earlier that you speak, you said you learned two languages in Mozambique. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. But I saw that you actually speak five languages. Is that true as well? Yeah. Yeah. I love languages. Yeah. That's (laughs) So what languages do you speak? And then how has that helped you build stronger connections with the people you're working with? Yeah, so I speak, well, English, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Shangana, and then I speak a little bit of Arabic. I took it for a year in college, but I forget a lot of it. So I'm very rusty. Um, But yeah, I just, I love languages so much. And I feel like they're such a good way to connect with people and to build a deeper relationship. I definitely think Mm -hmm. that learning Shangana was like the biggest thing, the best thing that I could have done to have an impact in Mozambique because right off the bat, it helped the community to 
like gain trust in me, you know? Mm. And so I think I was able to create these stronger relationships with the community members. And if I didn't do that, then I don't know if Curanzo, you know, would be where it is today. Um, yeah, so I definitely think, I mean, not even just building the trust, but also just understanding what they mean. And, you know, mm. they feel more open to express themselves when they're expressing themselves in their local language, in their native tongue. Um, mm. So yeah, I definitely think it was very important. Yeah. Is it tough? Do you sometimes find yourself slipping in and out of (laughs) different languages? Yeah, for sure. Like (laughs) Portuguese and English and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I have a family in Italy. And so um, sometimes when I talk to them, they're like, you're speaking Italian with a Portuguese accent. (laughs) Wow. That's actually so cool though. That's like Mm -hmm. such a skill. Uh. (laughs) I wish I could speak other languages. That's really cool. They're Mm -hmm. so fun. How have you seen um, your team at Curanza build up intentionally? Like each person that joins the team has something new to add and is meant to be there. And how have you formed a community with that? Oh, yeah. I love my team so much. and I'm so grateful for them. We've had like quite a bit of changes and challenges over the last year. We've had like a lot of restructuring and I just hired like five new Mozambicans this year. Um, and then, you know, I have my U.S. team, Alex and Asia as well, and they're amazing. So I'm just like really grateful for each team member because they each, yeah, add something to the team, right? And mm-hmm. um, we have our head of impact, Rhoda, who is showing us like what's the tangible impact that we're making and like if there's any tweaks to the programs that need to be made so that we can make even more of an impact and like what we're what we're promising to these girls that we're really doing it and that we're doing it in an intentional way. And then, you know, we have our head of programs who looks at each program and develops new programs based on the community needs. And then we have our new assistant of education programs who started this new literacy initiative. And I'm just so excited because the team in Mozambique is now like coming to me with all these ideas, you know, Mm -hmm. new ideas that we can implement. They're seeing what's working, what's not working, what we can do better. And I'm just really grateful that they feel like they have a voice and that they can come to me with this and that it's really collaborative. Like we're all a team and we're all working together with the common goal. I love that. So cool especially to bring in people from that culture as well. Like you're making sure they're represented. I love that so much. Totally. They're amazing. We wouldn't be here without them. So (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So when women, when girls are supported and then they grow a little bit older, what have you seen them be able to do because of their education? Mm. Yeah. Well, so we haven't had any of the girls in our program graduate from high school yet. We have three girls in 12th grade so oh we can see next year what happens wow. but I think just seeing that our team members are part of that one percent of Mozambican women who have graduated from college is really just a testament to show like how education is so important to see that now they're coming to Curanza and working with Curanza and you know the ripple effect that they're creating for the next generation of girls they're showing them that they can be leaders, that they can reach their full potential, they can go for their dreams. And I mean, something that I've seen with our girls, even though they haven't graduated yet, just seeing them develop this love of learning. And also Mm -hmm. when they share like what they want to be when they grow up, like it always Mm -hmm. makes me so happy because it's showing me that they're dreaming and that, you know, that they feel like they're able to reach these goals. Mm -hmm. Right. it's It's really exciting to hear. 
do some of the girls in the older grades kind of have they developed a mentorship for the younger girls as well since they're kind of in the program together that's such a good question. So that's what we're starting this month. So we're actually having a few um, college interns come on board as our mentor leaders, and then they will uh, mentor the group of mentors who are our high school students who will then mentor the younger girls who will be the mentees and they're like the elementary school and middle school girls. So mm. yes. <laughs> that's I love that. Oh my gosh. Starting this month. We're yeah, so, so cool. How much of the work that you do um, is kind of like across seas, like in the U.S., how much of it is physically there and how much of it is from far away? So right now, everything is from the U.S. because I haven't been back since COVID, since before okay, COVID. Right, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really had, it's really made us like have to do Zoom and do WhatsApp and like do all this virtual work, right? Mm -hmm. And just like, uh, pivot. And so it's been really interesting, but I think it's helped overall. And hopefully I'll be able to go back in the fall or early next year. And because I'm missing like being on the ground, but I used to go twice a year um, for like a month each time, or I would go for like uh, once a year for three months in the summer. Wow. Yeah. So I really miss being there. So hopefully soon. Yeah. yeah. Has technology kind of been an obstacle through COVID for some of the girls in Mozambique? Yes, definitely. Well, because the girls that we serve live in villages where there's not electricity in all the neighborhoods or there's not internet access or a lot of the girls don't even have phones, let alone smartphones or laptops. So it definitely has caused a divide because I think, you know, for people in the U.S., not everyone, but a lot of people in, you know, developed countries, they have access to the internet and things like that. So they can still learn um, through distance learning online, but the girls, they didn't have access to that. So we have had our tutors go to their homes with like worksheets to fill out and to kind of help them with their homework but it's not the same as like having everything on your laptop or your phone right. so it definitely has created a wider literacy gap mm -hmm. the girls who are a part of the program and are getting education do they still live with their families or is it kind of like a boarding school or how does it all work together yeah, they still live with their families, um, all of them, except I think there's like one or two preschoolers who went to live at the private preschool because their family couldn't take care of them anymore. They're orphans. I think both of them live with their grandma or used to live with their grandma. So for now, um, the preschool is helping them, you know, pay for their food and their boarding mm -hmm. and things. Um, but we're hoping that they can go back to their grandma soon. Um, but other than that, all the girls live at home and then they just go to school. The primary school girls can walk to school because those schools are really close by. And then the high schoolers, um, we have transportation that picks them up at their home and brings them to school every day. Mm -hmm. Love that. In the families that these girls go home to, have you seen just like really good responses to them getting an education? Like are the mom and dad just like, oh, yay, or are they totally against it? There's definitely a spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, all the girls in our program, like we want their families to want this for them, you know, because you can't like you can't give support to someone and like force them to do it. Like they have to want to get an education first. Mm -hmm. So that's where we start. And a lot of the families are super grateful and they're like, if it weren't for, you know, 
Kuranza's supporters, like we wouldn't be able to do this. So we're so grateful. But then there's the other side where it's like a lot of parents never went to school. So they don't really see the benefit in education. Mm -hmm. So although they're grateful that their child is in Kuranza's program, they don't really understand why it's important and what the benefit is. So if their kid comes home and is like, I don't want to go to school anymore. It's hard. I don't get the homework. I failed to test. You know, sometimes their parents might say like, oh, it's okay. You don't have to go to school, you know, like things right. like that. So it's definitely a challenge. You know, we're just trying to educate the parents too and show them like what the benefit is because it's like a long-term investment, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, it's just so amazing the things that you do. And I think it's just, it's, it's such a leap of faith to go over and to do those things um if our favorite question to ask our guests is if you could go back to your 16 year old self and talk to her and give her a hug what would you say to her I love this question I think I would definitely I'd give her a hug and I'd say Elisabetta you've got this like everything will work out like you know, you don't have to worry about anything like it'll just work out and just yeah have faith and just know that everything will happen how it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the girl who wants to turn her passions into a movement or an organization similar to what you did, but doesn't know really where to start? I think I would tell them to just start, you know, and that you're never going to know everything. You're going to learn as you go. And so just iterate, you know, as you learn more. And then also it's so important to remember why you're starting this, right? Like what is the why behind it? Because when the tough days come, which they will come, like there's always going to be challenges. If you're rooted in your why and your purpose, then you'll be able to weather the storm. You know, you'll be mm -hmm. able to keep going even despite the challenges. Mm -hmm. Wow beautiful oh well it was so amazing to get to hear your story and to talk to you how can our audience support you and find you even as young women who can't really afford to sponsor a girl how can we still support you yeah, thank you so much. I've loved being on your guys' podcast. <laughs> um, so you can find Kuranza on Instagram. We're most active there. So at love Kuranza, K-U-R-A-N-D-Z-A. And yeah, so basically spreading the word is like just as important as donating because mm -hmm. the more we spread the word, you know, more people can come and know our cause and join us. So you can become a launch team member and help spread the word on September 1st and during the month of September, just posting a photo of yourself with the sign with the I stand for girls hashtag and sharing why girls education matters to you and then sharing about what Kuranza does. And yeah, I mean, every share, every like, every comment, it all adds up and it all helps Kuranza get more visible so we can, you know, get education to more of the girls who need it. Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It really was so good. Like Sam said, just to hear your story. Um, and we will definitely, I'm so interested in getting involved. I think this is, mm -hmm. this is really important and something um, I want to learn more about. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. The things that Elisabetta has done are actually incredible. And when she tells the story, like I, it's hard for me to like imagine myself actually starting something worldwide, mm -hmm. like going to another country and doing something for people there and starting something completely new and having to learn new languages and I just think it really is 
incredible and such a huge step of faith and it really does show that she's um passionate about all of it Mm -hmm. i love to hear the root of what carranza means and at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the podcast i was just asking her to tell me how to say it because i wanted to say right and it reminded me of someone i met at camp one of my good friends now um and if she's listening she knows exactly (laughs) that it's her but um she was just talking about the story of teaching other people to say her name correctly and the power of like owning your culture and owning your name um i think that is something that a lot of people in my bubble of the world kind of miss out on um like we live in a pretty like sort of diverse but most of my friends are white and i feel like it's hard sometimes to remember to respect other cultures and to really understand them Um, and not even just other cultures but just people who come from different regions of the world like it's just so powerful to learn how to connect with them and to learn how to celebrate them and celebrate where they came from Um, but I think that relates a lot to Elisabetta's journey with learning five languages as well I think that is just Mm -hmm. such a cool thing Um, that she's taken the time to really understand other people. I mean, that's something that we have to take in school. Like, we have to take two two years of language, but um, if you really think about it, like, learning someone else's language is learning how to, like, unlocking the way to talk to them, unlocking the way to hear their story, like, without Mm -hmm. um, being able to communicate just like that, just like how Sam and I do here. I mean, we can both speak English, obviously, but if we didn't have that, I'm not sure that our relationship would be the same. So Mm. I think that's just really beautiful. And not only language, but also just experiencing the culture, like her being able to travel to Mozambique and have family in Italy and, you know, everywhere and just learn learn about other people. So cool. Yeah. She said that, I mean, like, speaking the same language as someone respecting their culture it, she said the, the girls have so much more self-expression mm. because they feel at home and they feel comfortable um and it's something that we like you said can miss out on especially people who don't know how to speak english like we don't realize how trapped you can feel right. in a place where um everyone's speaking everyone can't communicate with each other or you can't communicate with everyone else you can't have the same experiences as everyone and so I I really do think it is incredible that she went into this place and she didn't go in um to like rescue these girls she came in to be a part of their culture and to respect them and love them and grow with them and make connection yeah that's really good Sam not rescue but to yeah love that Thank you for joining us in this episode with Elisabetta, talking all about her mission work and her experience in Mozambique. Um, we got so much out of this and definitely so inspiring to hear the behind the scenes kind of stuff that goes on with organizations like this. And we're going to be involved probably uh, in the fall. I'm really interested in seeing what I Stand for Girls is all about and seeing how we can support um, girls across the world. So super cool thanks for joining us share it with your friends and family any little bit that really spoke to your heart um, we'd love it if you could help us to get our name out there this episode was produced by taylor kanagowski edited by kat smith and all music was created by ethan mccullough we love you and we'll see you next week stay ruby